Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Texas Road, right here on On Texas Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, Sark, of course, has a press conference today at 11. It's also going to be a big basketball day, possibly, for Texas. Uh, but before we get to that, we got to talk about the Texas Rangers, World Series champions. I can't. You're not even it. wearing a shirt, Blake. I mean, Blake, come on. <laughs> I, you, I can't believe you're not lording it over everybody. That the I, I'm wearing blue for you. How about yeah. that? I, I appreciate it, Bobby. Thank you. Yeah, no, the, the Rangers deserved it. I tell you what uh, was interesting to me about this team this year is how well they hit one through nine. Uh, that really carried them. I thought in the good times and the bad, right? Uh, and it was enough in the postseason, and uh, congrats. Uh, they deserve it. Best I team. Think I, think I thought they were the best team. Uh, they were definitely the best hitting team. I think there were teams that could have got them in singular series, but not this year. Good job. I, I think it's awesome that the state of Texas won the last two World Series. Yep. I think Nothing that's really that. Without a doubt, for sure. Well, guys, that's the good news. There's also some sad news that came out yesterday. Uh, former Texas Tech Indiana coach Bobby Knight has passed away, and that's a big blow to the basketball, especially collegiate basketball world. Yeah, I, I think uh, – look, I mean, uh, the guy had faults, obviously. Um, I, I think a lot of people, because of the faults, maybe the hard-headedness, um, that he displayed probably don't understand how much he gave as well. I actually linked an article on Inside Texas about that this morning in the Bobby Knight thread, how much of his own money he gave to education, to kids. Um, so the guy had faults, but he did a hell of a lot of good things too, and what a great basketball mind he saw. I'll tell you what, as impressive as he was as a coach, and he's one of them, you know, He's not the winningest all-time guy. Wooden has more titles. K has more wins. But he's a top five basketball mind uh, coach of all time, maybe a top three mind. He may have been more impressive as an announcer. The way he, the way he communicated the game on ESPN is like nothing I've ever seen before as well. So he, he did it on the court. He did it when he was a commentator. Just tremendous. Mind for game. Yeah, I want to say this. Like he was my generation's Mike Shashevsky. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. Like he was the dominant coach of the sport for about 10 years uh there. Uh yes, Dean Smith and some other guys, but uh generally he was the guy that everybody looked to, and he was a, he was he was like he was a little bit like Mike Leach, except crazier, I think, as far as like more violent, uh, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, in that he would just say and do whatever he thought and everybody else be damned. Um, my my take on it is a little different in that I grew up in the era when ESPN was just coming on and college basketball became a focal point of it. And you would watch these games at Indiana and the whole crowd was into it. It was fun. Um, then I got uh, into high school uh, in early college and I read a book called Season on the Brink by John Feinstein, who's still in writer today but it was a young john feinstein and a, a middle-aged bobby knight and it still remains if you ever want to read a great uh sports book that you haven't read before it's called season on the brink and uh, it followed uh, the indiana basketball program uh and 
showed the ins and outs, the positives and the negatives uh, of, of all of that. And uh, I don't know. I, I feel a little little pang because uh, some of my youth uh, passed away yesterday. But uh, to Jerry's point, the one thing you knew about Bobby Knight, whether you liked him or, or disliked him or whatever, you never had any question about where he stood on things. Yeah. <laughs> it was very – he was very black and white. There was no gray. Uh, so, uh, you know, a lot of people that are like that uh, and grew up that way, uh, passing on not, – not many people know this, Jerry, but he actually won a national championship as a college basketball player. Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State with John Havlicek was on that team. If yeah. People remember that name. But, uh, yeah, big – Big, big loss in the college basketball community. It, it, I want to segue to this now, uh, taking the Longhorns into a, a account. Jerry, Texas uh, potentially getting a commitment in basketball later today? Yeah, possibly. Um, I, I think things look have looked pretty good in the last couple of days. These kids always have to go announce their uh, decisions. But Nick Cody, uh, ranked 45 in the country, six, eight and three quarters, power forward out of Carrollton Newman-Smith. Um, is scheduled to announce at 4.30 Central on the On3 Recruits YouTube channel. Um, so he'll announce that, uh, his decision there. A couple things with him that are interesting. He is the son of Nakia Cody, the former Cleburne High, Baylor, and NFL safety. His uncle is Dustin Armstrong, former Cleburne uh, and Texas Longhorns wide receiver. Obviously, Dustin Armstrong, very involved in his life, made both of the visits, the unofficial and official visit with the family there. Dustin Armstrong, still obviously a big University of Texas fan. Uh, Nick, uh, uh, Nick Cody's recruitment started as lean to Houston this summer, headed into the late summer official visits. I, I don't think Houston uh, is going to be the pick now. I, I think I think Texas, Auburn, Miami is ultimately – uh, where this thing's coming down to, bar, uh, barring a change here in the last 24, 48 hours. Um, but I think Texas uh, has done a really good job in this recruitment. I think Disu uh, being a senior this year um, provides – and Brock Cunningham moving on provides a, an impact opportunity for Nick Cody uh, if he were to choose Texas. So we'll see what he does at 430 today. But uh, – um, you know, I, I I think he's got a chance to be really good and develop over time. Hey, hey, what what kind of just to give people a sense of who yeah. he is as a player, Jerry? Give some yeah. player comparisons and what he means and how he fits at Texas. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know about player. I'd have to think about a player comparison. He's not a vertically just explosive athlete. He's very, and I don't want to say similar to DC because then people are going to think he's going to be hurt his whole career, which is not the case. <laughs> he, but what Texas does offensively. The way they play with Disu, the way he can play on the perimeter and face up, uh, the way they play off the elbows um, and occasionally post, uh, he fits that very well as a basketball player. That really speed, that is really fits his skill set. I think Cody's a guy who he puts it on the floor uh, in in short space better than D, a guy like Disu. Probably doesn't have quite as good a back to the basket game as Disu at this age, but he can face up, he can shoot it. Uh, he sees the floor enough to uh, make plays uh, with the ball in hand from the three-point line or on the perimeter. Uh, Going to be a good free-throw shooter uh, as well. So, um, look, he, he fits uh, very, very well uh, with this Texas uh, program and this Texas offense. And I think uh, if, he, if he picks Texas, I'll tell you, I think a big reason why is Corey Schlesinger, 
the, the, you know, we don't talk about the strength and conditioning coach at Texas in basketball enough. He was with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, he, he worked with Devin Booker. He even worked with KD a little bit when he came in there. But uh, he has been a really, really big hit um, uh, in recruiting from what I'm hearing with guys. Just that NBA background, all that NBA expertise. He's the guy that's when Todd Wright said he was going to stay with the Clippers, he told Rodney Terry and those guys, this is the guy you hire. So, that I mean, Todd Wright telling – telling Rodney Terry, they've been friends for years, this is the guy to hire. Uh, that spoke volumes, I think, to Rodney, Chris Ogden, and Frank Haith and all those guys um, that, that know Todd so well. But Corey Schlesinger, that NBA background, he is really, really good, guys. Um, I think I think Rodney and them hit a home run in strength and condition in basketball. Interesting. That, that the, you know, it's we talk about player development in football, right? And you rarely talk about it in other sports, not just – basketball but baseball Blake you know I the the there's just so much body change that goes on from an 18 to 22 year old male I mean we've all been right we're we've all been there right uh uh, if you if you neglect that or don't pay enough attention to it you're just losing you're, you're losing ground as a competitor uh, and, and, and these basketball guys, they see it as a quicker window too, right? I mean, they're well, looking a lot for of them come in can, skinny as you know what. You know, they're looking for somebody that can do something for them in a year or two. There aren't many kids that are coming in saying, "I'm going to be in college basketball for four years." Not the guys that Texas is recruiting. Just watch what happens with Devin Pryor, the freshman six-seven wing. From since he didn't come in in the summer till late in the summer, look what happens to him from now until next year what fair enough all right guys well as we said at the beginning of the show sark of course has a press conference this morning around 11 o'clock uh it'll be the last one before the game on saturday what are some of the things that y'all are you know looking to hear or hoping to hear i guess you should say I, I want to, I mean, look, I'm concerned about injury still. I would love to see Jalen Catalan back. I just don't think we're going to see it. I don't think Quinn Ewers is near ready. Ethan Burke, not Ethan ready. Burke, I mean, uh, you know, I, I wrote an article on Inside Texas this morning, uh, and I don't know why. I, look, Texas, and, Texas has a backup quarterback. Kansas State is coming off winning, I think, 82 to three its last two games. Has two quarterbacks and is on a roll. Um, yet this game's in Austin. Uh, Texas has advantages uh, in a, in talent in certain areas. It's not as open and shut as some people would want to make it. Because I look at the Kansas State running backs, that duo right now is as productive as the Texas duo. Uh, they have a tight end that's going to play in the NFL, just like J.T. Sanders. They have an offensive lineman. That is maybe the best offensive lineman in the Big 12. Uh, the K-State defensive line is where the, there may be some deficiencies, uh, but they try to mask it uh, by playing that 3-3-5 and uh, gunning their linebackers into holes. So uh, I don't know why, but I, I, I just feel like this is going to be an interesting game for Texas. I'm picking Texas to win, which is not something I, I totally do, uh, but uh, – this is something that's going to be interesting for me uh, because, you know, Texas went up and, and beat K-State at home last year, up up in Manhattan. 
And Texas was able to manufacture a run game. Now, that was with Bijan and Roshan and a young Quinn Ewers, et cetera. But really, that Quinn Ewers isn't fundamentally different than this Malik Murphy, right? Um, and I do think Kansas State is, is somewhat weaker on defense this year. They may be better on offense, even, even with the loss of uh, Kurt Warner's kid. Uh, but I want to see what, what what's happening. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about this weekend. Uh, I want to see if Malik Murphy is up for it. I want to see if Steve Sarkeesian has got his guys up for it too. That's 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 the one for me. Hey, don't forget, we also have Texas Tech TCU tonight. Yeah. That's Thursday night game. That's right. I forgot all about that. Yep. But you're right. You're right. That's TCU at Texas Tech. So um, yeah, that's a it's a big game for the future Big 12. Not in this Big 12. Hey, look, look, the standings just rolled by two and three, both of them in Big 12. Hey, by the way, you, you know what's crazy about when you watch the standings roll by? Oklahoma State as Oklahoma and Stillwater Saturday. If they win, if Oklahoma State wins that game, their last three games are all against the new teams from the Big 12. Uh, oh, they're going to the Big 12 championship game. Yeah. I mean, Houston, UCF, Cincinnati. Well, I guess they have BYU, not Cincinnati. They already beat Cincinnati, but Houston, UCF, BYU. They're Matt, in. Yeah, they're in. If they win Saturday, I mean, they're in. Uh, somebody asked about Kobe Black, McKinley. Um, Kobe Black, Texas still leads on that. Um, you know, Don McKinley, I, I, I don't think they're coming in this weekend. I just think that 11 a.m. start, I mean, Lafayette's a, that's a pretty deep drive to get to Austin. You'd have to leave pretty early in the morning after a Friday night game. Uh, so I, I haven't got 100% confirmation they're not coming in yet. I, I, I always check one more time here on Thursday, see if any – uh, on plans, you know, like that with, with families. But I would say it's unlikely. Uh, but Kobe Black remains a Texas lean. And, again, I think with all this, the A&M talk in Texas, uh, trying, you know, recruiting Ty Anthony Smith or staying in contact with Dominic McKinley, I, I, and I think on the A&M front in general, um, Saturday's a pretty big game for them in recruiting. If they, if they lose to Ole Miss, there's just not going to be anything positive coming out of college station. And that's when you get into real recruiting issues in my estimation is when there's just nothing positive and the quest, the hard questions that are start getting asked to the staff, your, your recruiting coach, your position coach, the questions you just can't answer. That's when recruiting gets difficult. Look, they have, they, they lose to Ole Miss. They're five and four. Okay. And they still play at LSU. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're, They'll likely lose five then. Yep. Okay. Seven and five. But here's the deal. They beat Ole Miss. They've got Mississippi State. Yeah. Which scored all of seven points against Arkansas last right. week. Who won't they, they may not they won't score on AM. Uh, okay. Yeah. So Mississippi State. And then I think it's Abilene Christian or somebody right. like that. Um, and so they're gonna get to eight wins if they beat Ole Miss. Yeah. If they don't, you know, it. it Look, I, I think you need, at some level, you need a little bit of an implosion to really break up a recruiting class that's held together in large part by uh, some things that, 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 that's been done there. So I feel like uh, we'll have to wait and see. Those Southeast Texas kids, Jerry, have already kind of started peeling away. Not only Draylon Miller, who's visiting Colorado this weekend, but Weston Davis, uh, the big lineman out of Beaumont that's committed to LSU. Uh, but to your point, Ty Anthony Smith hasn't moved on. You know, there are some other guys that haven't necessarily moved on at this point either. 
I think there needs to be one more chink in the armor. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I agree. By the way, I should have mentioned this uh, in any recruiting. I mean, I put out the news, broke the news yesterday. Brandon Baker's coming in this weekend. That's actually really big news. I mean, because look, he's a five-star right tackle out of modern day, committed September 25th. The fact that Texas is getting him back on campus modern day as a bye this weekend before the playoffs against Jay Sarah Catholic uh, on November 10th. So, it's a weekend that they don't have Saturday football commitments at modern day. And the fact that Baker and his family, even though he's committed or coming back in town, I think is a, uh, uh, says a lot of really good things for Texas there, because the reality is we know this just because he committed doesn't mean Oregon doesn't keep trying. Doesn't mean Ohio state doesn't keep trying. So the fact that he's coming back to Texas this weekend is a, is, is a very, very good news. Not that I thought he was a flip candidate. It's just, what would y'all be saying if he popped up at Oregon this weekend or something? That's the difference. So he's coming back to Austin with his family. That's a very good thing. I want to ask you about Jarrett Gibson in a minute too, but first we need to do this uh, read for one of our uh, sponsors here. Uh, Texas Road uh, LLC. Uh, Rick Vavro and his team at Austin Underground also operate Texas Road. Uh, it is similar to Austin Underground in that it focuses on commercial needs uh, of clients uh, in the road sector, just like they do with the underground uh, piece. Uh, Rick and his team uh, there for you if you need commercial road construction uh, across the state of Texas. Go to texasrd.com to learn more. That's Texas Road LLC. Uh, thanks to Rick and his team for presenting the sponsorship on Thursday's Coffee and Football. Appreciate you, Rick, and appreciate Texas Road. Uh, if you need anything from them, again, texasrd.com. All right, guys. Well, plenty of time to get your questions in right here on Coffee and Football. And, Jerry, we're going to go back to Kobe Black for just a second, if you don't mind, uh, because we had a follow-up question, if I can find it. Okay, Joseph Diaz says, I get that Kobe's brother is at Oklahoma State, but this is two visits in three weeks. Should Texas fans be worried? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I think that, look, it, Oklahoma's playing Oklahoma State. His brother – is in his last year at Oklahoma State. So I, I would say no on that. What's interesting is, um, you know, uh, probably not a great, not probably not the best game for Kobe to go to Austin. Obviously, his father played at Kansas State for Bill Snyder. So there's that, there's that, there's a lot of family dynamic in this one in, from a recruiting front. But no, nah, I'm not worried for, for on the Texas end now. Hey, what about Jarrett Gibson? There's a report out of Florida, Jerry, the, the big running back that's committed to Texas out of IMG. Uh, that he might be looking uh, right now at visiting, making an official visit to Florida. He's thought he's already been there a couple times for games this year. Would that surprise you? What do you think it means, et cetera? Yeah, we'll see if that actually happens. Um, he's he's he may be in Austin this weekend too. So you know, we'll see what happens on that. Uh, Florida's trying to get another running back in the class. They're trying to flip Jaden Ball from Arkansas. Um, they're in on a couple other guys. They're in on Kiwan Lacey out of Lancaster High, who just decommitted from Nebraska, although I think he he could end up at Alabama. He's officially visiting Alabama for the LSU game this weekend if Alabama pushes. If not, it would be Ole Miss or Florida. Uh, but I think I think uh, Florida's just, they're trying to get another back in the class. Um, and obviously, look, if, if they're not recruiting Jay, uh, Jarrett Gibson as hard as they can, I, they're just they're missing the boat, which they are doing. Um, and he has been on camp. He's a former Florida commitment. And then when Billy Napier was hired, that kind of reset his recruitment. His family still lives in Gainesville. So we'll see. We'll see if he if, if, if he makes the official visit. 
I would think it's time to uh, start getting worried there. If he doesn't, you know. All right, guys. Well, it is 8.30, which means that we are going to bring in our special guest today, which is Derek Young of kstateonline.com. He's the publisher and football insider for that site, which is part of the On3 Network. And Derek, how are you doing this morning? Hey, pretty good. I uh, don't fly out to Austin until tomorrow, so it's kind of the last day to get everything together. Just had basketball last night, too. <laughs> I like that. I like that how background. How K-State looked last night, man. The exhibition game, right? Yeah, they had an exhibition game against a, a D2 school who's usually pretty good. They were explosive. Didn't turn the ball over as much as I thought, but uh, not as good on defense as I thought. It's kind of a weird game, actually. Okay. Well, they're not going to be as good as they were last year. What's in the background, by the way? Uh, yeah, I know. I like that, too. Hey, Derek, uh, are they going to be anywhere near as good as they were last year in basketball? They're going to be different, and if they don't have Naquan Tomlin, you worry that they might not be as good. But if they do have him, I think their ceiling might be similar. Yeah. Oh, wow. Hey, by the way, I, re I, re I really think it's interesting you have the Michigan helmet up there. That's uh, right now. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and actually, I, I grew up an Ohio State guy, so that's oh! an interesting situation. <laughs> hey, uh, Derek, uh, let's talk a little Longhorn football, a little K-State football. That's the big game uh, this weekend. Uh, Longhorns and K-State kind of fighting for Big 12 supremacy, at least to stay on top of the, the league rankings. Um, uh, it, it's We've been watching from afar, afar obviously. Uh, can you start and talk first about this new kind of two-headed monster Kansas State has at quarterback with Will Howard and Avery Johnson, give people a sense of who those two players are? Yeah, it's actually kind of strange and bizarre. I haven't seen a two-quarterback situation really play out this way. You have to think about what a few weeks ago was the Texas Tech game where you're playing both quarterbacks, and basically at halftime you decide, we need Avery Johnson to win this game, and they go and do that. And at TCU, which I also I've never seen done, they alternated every series as, as the quarterback in that game, just you know, every other possession. And then last week uh, against Houston, you, they – basically make the decision, hey, we got to go with Will Howard here, largely because I think Avery Johnson committed that turnover. So uh, it's an interesting situation. I really can't put my finger on how it's going to unfold every single week. Uh, they they do some of the more of their drop-back game with Will Howard. They they will do more quarter – they do quarterback game with both guys, really. And you wouldn't think that that would be effective. One, you do it with Avery Johnson because he's one of the more explosive players – um, that they probably ever landed at, you know, in the recruiting rankings. And then with Will Howard, not the most fast guy, um, sometimes a little awkward and clumsy. He's, he's not super athletic, but he's he's so good at the reads that he makes the right decision. So he has room and space to operate. Interesting. Um, you look at this game, uh, K-State on a roll right now. They've got to feel like they're very confident coming in uh, to Austin. Uh, what are some of their concerns about matching up with Texas at this point? Yeah, it kind of feels similar to last year when they got really going at one point when they beat, what, they beat Oklahoma State 48 to nothing. They beat Baylor 31 to three, and that really propelled them forward. You see some of that this year when you, you beat TCU 41 to three, Houston 41 nothing, really take control in that second half in Lubbock. And the game Texas Tech had to have, like the, the yes. wheels hadn't fallen off, the wheels hadn't fallen off the trek for the Red Raiders yet. And obviously that's a talented group. So that was an impressive half. That half of football might have been more impressive than anything we saw from TCU at Houston, because you can make the argument you at least got Houston at the right time. 
just what Texas can do, you know, Kansas State's really dominated the line of scrimmage, and I think that's really been the difference. You're probably not going to be able to do that against Texas. You do have a strength for strength thing that I'm sure NFL scouts are going to salivate over when you got the interior of the Kansas State offensive line against the interior of the Texas defensive line, namely Cooper Beebe against some of those bigger dudes. So I'm sure they're going to have their eyes on that. But Texas, if, if they can take away the Kansas State running game, you probably feel a little alarmed if you're the Wildcats because I think that passing game this year largely has only worked when the running game has kind of set it up because when it hasn't, then you see Will Howard kind of forcing the situation and having some of those interceptions that he has had this year. Defensively, they seem to really kind of round into form in the last few weeks. Their safeties were pretty bad at one point in the year, and that's why they were giving up the explosive plays that they were. So is it fool's gold because you're playing, you know, the TCU, Houston's, and Texas Techs of the world? You know, perhaps, but, you know, at the end of the day, Sonny Dykes and Dana Holgerson are still known for offensive football. Hey, I got a question that, that the health or lack thereof of the Texas team is well documented, right? Pretty public with the injuries, Quinn Ewers, Ethan Burke, Jalen Catalan, uh, three starters, impact players. How's, what's the health of the Kansas State team headed in this game? Yeah, pretty good for the most part. I mean, you got Ben Sinnott was limited last week, but I think they said they were just careful with him. So I imagine that he can go full go if needed, and obviously it it will be needed. Keegan Johnson in play last week. He's kind of been of a disappointment this year, though. He was supposed to be the number one wide receiver, and he just hasn't been healthy enough to be that guy. And that's probably why the vertical passing game, at least incorporated with the receivers, hasn't been as effective this year as they thought that it would be. So they're trying to have to win games differently on offense than probably what they even imagined during training camp. Will Lee, another really good corner. Now, their corners have played pretty well. Some of it, uh, they got caught a few times because they don't have great length when Will Lee was hurt, but he is back. He's a six foot three, kind of looked like Julius Brantz, basically. He's kind of the, that kind of clone. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. The struggles against Missouri and then the lost Oklahoma State didn't, weren't there some injuries? You talked about safeties, but weren't there some injuries in that secondary? They lost a couple of linebackers early in the season, were they kind of piecing it together, finding their way, you think, in those two games to a certain extent before they went to the 2QB system, obviously? Yeah, no, that, I mean, some of it, I think injuries would be played a role, but it'd be a cop-out to say that that was the factor, to be quite honest, because I think the only guy they were losing almost exclusively was Daniel Green, and maybe they were figuring out life without Daniel Green still. I, I can probably um, go with that because they're trying to start a – a true freshman inside linebacker, which now he's starting to really grasp it, and that's Austin Romain. So just a lot of inexperience. Look, they lost three starters out of secondary last year. They're playing on Sundays right now, and that's not something that Kansas State's you know, accustomed to have to backfill. And I think the more football they're getting, the better they're playing. They also switched safety roles from the jack safety to the strong safety between Kobe Savage and B.J. Payne right around the UCF game. And that seems to, you know, give them a little bit more comfort and effectiveness as well. All right, Derek, we have uh, quite a few viewer questions, but most of them pertaining to Avery Johnson. And I'm going to yeah. bring them up. Bobby Petronic says, who does Avery Johnson profile as for those fans who've only seen the highlights and are looking for a comparison? Yeah, that, that's interesting. And I've seen some bad ones. I don't know. if I never see a good one because I'm always, you know, everybody's their different guy. Right. But people, the best one I've heard, and it's going to sound crazy, is Lamar Jackson. Now, maybe young 
Lamar Jackson when he hadn't really morphed into the passer that he is because we're probably still seeing that from Avery Johnson. But from a speed and explosive, and even if you look at the running gate, I can see similarities between those two. That's 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 high cotton. <laughs> well, no, it is. That's, no, it that's, is. that's high cotton. Uh, you know, uh, you, you look at this, and, and we talk about uh, K-State and what Chris Kleiman's done up there. He is just a winner. Yeah. Um, and what what I'm amazed by some somehow is that he's got a guy in Will Howard, frankly, who was preseason all Big 12 uh, by many pundits, et cetera. He inserts a true freshman into the game. The after Will Howard, I think what throws three picks at Oklahoma State. Yep. Gets Will Howard. Now Will Howard hasn't turned the ball over in three weeks since he did that. So he gets a refocused Will Howard. He puts an Avery Johnson in the game that also is a little bit dangerous. Uh, gives teams another thing to uh, kind of not necessarily react to, but prepare for. Um, Chris Kleiman as a coach, uh, obviously Big 12 champ last year. What are your thoughts? Of, you've seen other guys, uh, Derek. What are your thoughts of him as a coach? He gets a rap for being kind of a conservative nature head coach. And, and I think that's probably pretty unfair to him if you think about what he has done. He was willing to, in the Texas Tech game, still kind of early in the season with things on the line, essentially benches starting quarterback that was all Big 12 champ or was a Big 12 champion a year ago. After 2021, the debacle that was at Texas, by the way, where they were trying to run a lot of Wildcat that didn't work, he fires his offensive coordinator, Courtney Messingham, who was his childhood best friend. Like, <laughs> that's hard to do. And he's a defensive-minded coach, right? After year one at Kansas State, he completely changed his entire defense and went to the 3-3-5. So he's made some drastic changes as a head coach, all in the name of winning. So I, I don't get the conservative rap. Um, and when it comes to, like, professionalism and respect, I don't think I've really dealt with anyone better. Um, you know, fans don't really care much about that when you're talking about media versus coach in a setting like that. But it's it's always a really good experience. And you we're, we were used to Bill Snyder, which was a little bit more confrontational um, yeah. not, not and not as transparent. You get a lot of – I mean, even Coach Kleiman with injuries, it's it's amazing to us sometimes how transparent he is with injuries, um, except when it, I guess, incorporates the quarterback position. He'll be pretty uh, pretty secretive in that in that realm. Well, hey, the Kansas State fan base, do you think they're going to travel to Austin? What what, what are your, kind of your thoughts? It's the last crack at Texas for Kansas State, right? I mean, I don't know if that means as much to Kansas State as obviously it means to TCU and, and, and Texas Tech here late in the next few weeks of the season. But you think uh, Kansas State's – because BYU showed up in numbers in Austin last weekend. Yeah, I, I don't know. Perhaps I – I guess the ones that they typically travel well for Oklahoma State, um, TCU, because TCU can't sell their own tickets very well. But um, <laughs> so those come to mind. I've never really seen, I don't think, a huge Kansas State crowd in Austin. So that'll be interesting. I don't think that they played a game in Austin since I've covered the team in 17 with a lot of stakes, though. So maybe that goes into it. What I will say is, you know, I, you know, been asked the question was like, is Kansas State fans really ratchet up for this because they've lost to Texas six straight times? Are they ratcheted up for this because um, this is their last chance to sell out to send Texas out of the Big 12 with the loss? Because a lot of the Big 12 teams, you know, are kind of talking about that. But the fans, at least in, in my neck of the woods here in Manhattan and kind of giving the vibe, you know, they they view this game as just a chance 
to put themselves in a great position to repeat as Big 12 champions if they were to win. Uh, Derek, I, I want to ask you this. Uh, the Texas run game has to be paramount if Texas is going to win this. Texas bringing in Malik Murphy. Uh, second start for him uh, as a Longhorn. Uh, clearly, uh, he's not going to be the focal point, you don't think, or have, you know, uh, Texas is going to have to run the ball. Do you think that Texas is potentially going to be able to run the ball against Kansas State? Or do you think Kansas State's kind of shored that up? Because they are undersized on the defensive line, but with the 3-3-5, they just commit more guys to the run and put them in the box, right? Yeah, the, the, so that'll be an interesting – that's kind of the game within the game, really. I would imagine Texas can win that line of scrimmage on that side of the ball. If they can't, they're in trouble because they should win that battle on the line of scrimmage. Yes. Um, so it'll come down to – really, for Kansas State, I think Texas is going to run the ball good enough. Um, what it'll come down to is can you put it in the end zone? Can you – convert on third down because both of these teams are like what two of the three best defenses in the country uh, in the red zone. I think two of the top seven defenses in the country on third down. Um, I actually expect a pretty low scoring game at the end of the day, more so than we've seen in a lot of the other big 12 contests to this point. And this, this will not totally be a big 10 football game, but it could morph into a bit of a big 10 football game because uh, you got to look Texas, you got to feel like, you're probably going to win that line of scrimmage on that side of the ball. But do you really want to go up against, you know, an elite third down defense, an elite red zone defense with a redshirt freshman in just a second start? Yes, I agree. Agree. Good stuff, Derek. Good stuff, hey, Derek. hey, by the way, last thing for me, Derek, best defensive line Kansas State's played this year in your estimation. Who was that? Because obviously the other part of the game within the game is the Kansas State interior their offensive line. This is going to be the best Texas has seen this year. And that's Texas strength with Devondre Sweat, Murphy, and Alfred Collins. So who, who's the best you think Kansas State's gone up against to this point? That was kind of a viewer question from a, a Bobby Batronic. Yeah, no, that's a good one, too. I wanted to say Missouri right away, but Kansas State kind of won that battle. I think Missouri probably is the better dudes, but Oklahoma State played better. Yeah. That's, that, happens with hey, Mike, that happens with Mike Gundy at times. <laughs> we're we're big fans of Mike Gundy on this show, not necessarily as follow him as fans, but uh, for his coaching ability. They uh, totally switched that thing around. They were playing like the one of the three best worst teams in the Big Twelve, and all of a sudden he flips the switch because he's Mike Gundy, and now they're playing like one of the three or four best. Yeah, it's crazy. Hey, guys, want to put you on the spot, Derek? Not us. They want your score prediction for. <laughs> Yeah, th th no, I got it. I, I actually went 23-20 Kansas State, and it didn't feel good doing it, but <laughs> I, I had it before the year, so I kind of stuck to my guns because Chris Kleiman, every year as a head coach, as usually has this one game where his team rises up and just wins one. Nobody counts them out, or everybody counts them out and can't do. We did that at North Dakota State. He's done that at Kansas State, too. It's just always been Oklahoma that's been right. the one that got that treatment. So I that's why I picked them to beat Texas before the year, kind of sticking with that. Low-scoring game, 23-20. I had them losing to Texas Tech, too, though, so what do I know? <laughs> I love it, Derek. Thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate you, and I'm glad you're a member of the On3 Network as well. Hey, hey, we let you off the hook without asking your thoughts on Michigan football, so next time. Yeah, next time. Well, no, I, I got a lot I can unload on that one. <laughs> we'll, we'll have you. We'll have you in uh, after the Big Twelve Championship game. After the games are done for all, we'll talk Michigan football. How about that? Because it should yeah. be really coming to a head in December. I think it'll be interesting if something happens before then. 
Yes. Uh, let, let's let's send him let's send him to Michigan State to scout the Central Michigan game. Oh yeah. <laughs> man, come on. I mean, this is just ridiculous. What college football is coming to? Derek, thanks a bunch, bud. You have a good one, man. Absolutely, guys. All right, Blake, are you ready to, to talk about prize picks for us? And thanks, uh, thanks to Derek Young again uh, for showing up for us and, and hanging out for a little while. Uh, prize right. picks. I am. I am. And by the way, you can check out Derek's work at kstateonline.com, as Bobby said, member of the On3 network. But yeah, Prize Picks is a skill-based, real-money, daily fantasy sports game. You simply pick between two to six players, and if they'll go more or less than their Prize Picks projection. It's just you versus the projections available instead of battling thousands of other players. It's really simple to play. It takes almost no time. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. And it adds a ton of excitement to the sports viewing experience. You can watch your progress update in real time. You win up to 25 times your entry amount, and you can cash out your winnings with quick withdrawals. This weekend, I'm going to try my hand at some college football action. I'm taking Georgia Tech quarterback Haynes King to throw for under 229 yards and Missouri quarterback Brady Cook to throw for less than 245. To join me in those picks, you can go to prizepicks.com on Texas. Use promo code on Texas. They're going to give you a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash on Texas. Promo code on Texas. Take advantage of that. Get a first deposit match of up to $100. And that's prizepicks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Hey, Blake, they don't have any special prop bets for the parade in Arlington or Dallas, <laughs> do they, for the Rangers game? No. Uh, for the Rangers? Like how, many, how many times are they going to drop the trophy? Anything like that? <laughs> no, no, no prop bets for that one. And I, I had to give up my MLB, uh, uh, my MLB picks on prize picks because it I didn't do too hot during the play. <laughs> so, hey, by the way, I gotta say, uh, of all our uh, of all our ads, banner ads, that prize picks wakes me up a little bit. Man. <laughs> that bright green man. Yeah. There you go. It looks all like right, an Oregon uniform. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's move on to some more questions here because we got plenty of them, and we have a super chat that we need to get to. This one from Juan. Um, he said, "I'm going to ask the same question that I asked the guys from last night's live stream. Do you all think Mike Huff will make a great safeties coach, and does he want to coach? Y'all's thoughts? I think he'd already be a coach if he wanted to be one. Yeah, he's had that opportunity. He's got a lot of business stuff going on. He he likes being part of the program, mentoring the kids." I think it's, he's got a great role at Texas, uh, but he's got a lot of other things going on in the business world, kids growing up. Yeah, he he's already had that opportunity, Juan, um, and, and passed on that. There are multiple times where he could have uh, put his name forward as a full-time coach and just hasn't. So but I, I think that to Jerry's point, he's very comfortable with where he's at right now. And I, do I think he would be good? The answer is absolutely <laughs> Very cerebral guy. He and Michael Griffin both would be good coaches if they chose to be so. I, I just got a uh, I just got a uh, text from uh, somebody close to the McKin Don McKinley recruitment, and he's not expected in this weekend. Kind of like we thought that eleven a.m. start, and I still think a And M is. I think Texas has light communication there. Dom's reached out to Texas, but that's going to be a that would be slower to develop, in my opinion. All right, guys, well, we're going to move on to some more questions right here on Coffee and Football presented by Texas Road. And um, this was actually a comment that was brought up when we were talking about TCU and Texas Tech earlier. And I didn't think about this until now, but I wanted to get y'all's take on it. Buddy Pal Chief Big Guy says, so TCU will have nine days to prep for us and the game is in Fort Worth. 
sneaky scheduling by the Big 12. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, but, hey, the good news for Texas is it gives Chandler Morris more time to get healthy if he wants to come back and try to play against Texas. That would be welcome. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. I I don't know what to say about it. I mean, the big I don't know if it's sneaky scheduling by the Big 12, but I mean, look, Texas certainly it, it has been unceremoniously deposited uh, in this last year of the Big 12. Uh, you look at the – I'm going to bring up these rankings again. What team plays all of those teams that are in the top five? The only one is Texas. Yeah, I was about to say, just one. Yeah, the only one that plays uh, – except for Oklahoma State. Texas does not play Oklahoma State, but they play Oklahoma, Iowa State, Kansas State, Kansas. You know, TCU, Texas Tech, Baylor. They got, they got none of Central Florida or C- Cincinnati. So, I mean, I, I'm – I'm in that that category of look. Let's just get out of here. Um, win while we can. Focus on what we can focus on, uh, and make sure that that uh, Texas takes care of its own business. Um, I do believe uh, that there's you know some quasi nefariousness going on. I've, I've chronicled that back in the summer when you know the idiot associate commissioner said what he did. Um, and then Brett Yormark follows that up by going out to Lubbock and being a twit. So, I mean, all of that combined, I have no love lost for this conference. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to say this, neither do administrators at Texas. I mean, they're, they're fed up with it the way that they've been, some things have been said and treated. I mean, look, Texas helped form the big 12. The reason why Baylor is made, has made as much money as they have. Texas Tech has made as much money as they have. Kansas, Kansas State, et cetera. It's all off the backs of Texas and Oklahoma. So it, they're going to act like, you know, whatever. Hey, by yeah, the way. Act like jilted spouses if they want to, but they were never spouses. It was a, you know, a marriage of convenience. And now they're acting like they, they're owed something. It's just ridiculous. By, by the way, uh, people are talking about, you know, officiating – uh, football games this season, Texas games. I'm just here to tell you, I'm not worried about that. Uh, um, watch basketball on the road, though, this year. Oh. Hey, how about him saying, how about Derek Young saying that Kansas State might have the same ceiling as a year ago? That They what? had a freaky point guard last year. Guys. Yeah, they got a kid from North Texas who's a really good player, too. Is um, he that good, though? I mean, yeah, that's I don't think he sees the floor that well is the difference. Um uh, but they probably won't be as good. That, like you mentioned, they have one one key guy that is a maybe. Uh, but I, I'm just telling you, watch basketball officiating on the road this year. 
Uh, because that's that would come down on Texas because Oklahoma's not very not that good. I got you. It's much easy. It's much easier in basketball to uh, you know take a couple of smacks across the face as many road games as you play that are very impactful in your seating and in your standing. That's fair. Very interesting. Very I'm just waiting for a holding call. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> you might be waiting a long time, Bobby. Yeah, no, I mean Byron Murphy. I, I sat there and watched Byron Murphy against uh, uh, BYU literally get dragged by the back of his jersey on his way to the quarterback. Then I watched a guy put his arm around him and bear hug him to keep him from getting to the quarterback near the end zone. No call. I mean, there are – this is beyond me. There are two officials now in the backfield, and it's like neither of them are actually looking for holding. I mean, one of them – that needs to change. Yeah. Fundamentally. Hey, 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 can you bring up um, Byron Washington's Twitter, Blake? DeSoto offensive lineman. I, I can't. But And while I'm doing that, Jerry, if you will answer, read this question and answer it, I would appreciate it while we're on the subject of college basketball for just a second. Yeah. Um, two, three-year kids in trance. I, I totally agree with this. Um, you know, uh, there's always an exception to the rule. Um, we'll see what Trey Johnson does next week. I'm, I'm interested. Now, that would be an exception to the rule for me because the longstanding two-decade relationship of Rodney Terry and Trey Johnson's dad, Richard Johnson, that would be one where they, 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 there wouldn't be any kind of secrets. Like if if Trey Johnson were to pick Texas over Baylor next week, the, Texas wouldn't be under the impression this kid for sure is coming. There would be upfront conversations. This wouldn't be something like we're hiding. Hey, we you're going to we're, you're going to Texas now. If he if he commits to Texas, I'm saying. We're going to Texas now, but you're going to get blindsided by the G League late next spring. That wouldn't be a relationship. So it has to be, to me, a unique relationship. Uh, but outside of that, I totally agree. Um, you know, Cam Scott's a two-year guy, uh, more than likely. And then in the NBA draft, I think he's that level kid. You know, if they get Nick Cody today, he's he's probably a three-year player in college if he maximizes talent. Those are the guys plus the one and plus the transfers, uh, really good experienced guys in the portal, portal that I do think uh, build the best rosters. Look, maybe Co maybe John Shire will prove us wrong this year, but he does have Filipowski back, and he's got a couple of guys back. But last year his young, very young, more talented team than Tennessee went up against Rick Barnes in the NCAA tournament, and Rick Barnes literally looked like a bully in the schoolyard in that game and they got beat down. Uh, maybe Duke will be so talented this year, it doesn't matter. But if you look at, like, UConn, you know, they had two three-year high school guys that were really good, that are going to be NBA draft picks, that weren't ranked top 10 or 20 in the country. Um, you know, the guard that went in the draft last year in the first round, who I love, Donovan Klingon came back this year. Those guys are ranked 30, 40 in the country. Uh, you look at Texas, Cam Scott's ranked about 30 in the country. Nick Cody's ranked about 45. I think Texas, that's a great wheelhouse for college basketball recruiting, uh, especially if you're going to do really well in the portal. Hey, I've got a question here I wanted to ask. Um, and this is something that, that brings back in, in talking a little football, Jerry and Blake uh, from Eric Salinas. How do you see the Texas Longhorns using Anthony Hill against Kansas State this weekend? I, I mentioned earlier that I, I went ahead and picked the Longhorns this weekend. I just had a gut feeling here. Uh, that uh, this is going to be one of those games that the Longhorns bring their best. The Anthony Hill, and, and I mentioned this, turnovers happen. 
like like games like this have a way of not following the script that you think they're going to right. And so what happens in that? Players that step up that you don't necessarily always think of as core end up making a big play, a turnover, uh, a big tackle, a big a big run uh, after the, a run after the catch on a on a pass. A- Anthony Hill was one of those guys I was thinking of. Derek Williams is one of those guys I was thinking of. Um, and so I feel like uh, that is an interesting question from Eric. I, 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 I don't know if it will be Anthony Hill as an outside rush guy or uh, as a edge, uh, but with if Ethan Burke continues to be out or if he's going to be an off-ball linebacker. I just see him as being a guy that can potentially mirror the K-State quarterback a little bit um, at times. So we'll see what that means. I'm, I'm, Bobby. I'm laughing because everybody, people are saying you picked Texas, so the horns are doomed. Gary and I both started laughing at things. Look, I, I think I picked Texas seven times this year. Give me a break. <laughs> um, all right. By, by the way, so I, I'll tell you what I really think. It, it, we talked about this with Rod um, in the live stream Tuesday. I'll tell you what I really believe. This game, the biggest. Uh, most important factor in this game outside of turnovers, which is always one in football. First down defense for Texas is going to be massive in this game. Is And run defense is my first thought, but also aggressive first down defensive play calls because the reality is if K-State gets the third and shorts, their 56.4 conversion rate, third in the country, if they can get the third and medium, third and short, they're going to condense the clock, and this game's going to feel like a, it's going to it's going to be done in an hour and forty five minutes, because then they're two drives away from making this a very short football game as far as on the field time. First down defense for Texas is going to be the difference maker in this game, in my opinion. That's a great point, Jerry. I hadn't thought about it that way. I think PK's got to be aggressive on first downs in, in play calling. He can't. I don't think he can just line up vanilla and say, "All right, first down, run defense. We got to get it." I think they got to get pressure. I think they got to disrupt on first down. If Kansas State's comfortable on first down, I don't think that's good for Texas in this game. Uh, Jerry, I do have Byron Washington's Twitter pulled up. There's a video. He posted a video from the Duncan Duncanville game, and if we could play it without sound while we're talking. He, I just want people to see how big this guy is. If you scroll down, uh, there's the that this video. Just look how big he is while we're talking, guys. This is from the Duncanville game where they beat down Duncanville. This guy saw him a few weeks ago. I would say six, seven. Congrats to Claude Mathis on a, a huge win outside of a state championship. This was the biggest win in his career. Um, but uh, just look how big he is. He, 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 there's a there's a video that's against Colin Simmons. You're gonna see eleven. That's Alex January right there. Look how much bigger than Alex January he is. He is one of the largest people I've ever seen on a football field in my life. Is he quick, Jerry? I mean, he's raw. That's that's Coach Bobino, former Texas linebacker, um, former Port Arthur Memorial linebacker, but. He's a guard and he's a power player, but he hasn't even started scratching the surface physically. He's got a drop weight. He's around 395 right now. He's got a drop weight, 
But I just wanted people to see just how big he is because if he gets his hands on anybody, it's literally over. But to Bobby's point at the next level, he's got to be quick enough to get his hands on people. But if he does, it's over. Man, that's a big kid. I mean, Alex January 6'4", 320. He looked like he was 6'2", 260 in that video. Jeez, that's crazy. That's <laughs> insane how big he's he was. He's bigger than Cam Williams, guys. I, I mean, like, he's bigger than Cam. It's crazy how big of large of a human this guy is. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's get to a few more questions, y'all, before we have to get out of here. Um, this next question is actually going to be from Ryan from Shiner. He says, I noticed Quinn wasn't wearing a sling Saturday. Are we hopeful he returns for the next road game? I, I think there's some hope. I, now, I don't know that, the, that they're to the point of he's definitely playing. Um, and it'll depend on how he feels probably the Tuesday or Wednesday before that game. So we're really about five days, six days out from knowing. Um, but the positive on this is that it's looking like Iowa State may be more and more likely, which is the game after TCU. Um, as a return date. Now, this is all conjecture, to be fair. It's not, uh, it's not, you know, definite. He's coming back, et cetera. But I do see it, Ryan, as a positive that he wasn't wearing a sling. But we also have to understand these AC joints, our understanding is three to four weeks, you know. And Iowa State would be that category. It'd be that third to fourth week. Um, I, I'll say, I'm going to say this, um, one, he, for the people know he's not coming back next year. Um, I think if Texas wins, there's a higher probability he plays. If there's something on the line for this team, I think there's a chance he makes a return. If Texas were to lose Saturday and they're not going to the big 12 championship game, why would you put yourself back out there at that point for, and risk further injury? That's that I I'm just saying that's what I think is going to happen here. If Texas wins this week, even if he's not ready next week and they win again, and they're sitting there ranked four or five in the college football playoff, Big 12 championship game, and a lot on the line, I think you might see him return. I want to say this. If that's the case, that sounds like a front runner to me, and I don't like it. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. No, I mean, you're – no, I'm just going to say this. I mean, that – that sound, if that's the thinking uh, that, that he's got going on right now in his head or those close to him have going on in their head, Jerry, I, I just think that's, that's, that's front-runner mentality. I mean, he still has, in my opinion, if, if Quinn wants to be drafted highly, like really highly, um, you're saying he's gone. I can see him being a late first-rounder right now. I can't see him going in the top 10. Um, and so I, I'm a big... I, I just uh, I disagree with that take, not necessarily from you, because yeah. I don't think you're putting it out there. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking you're hearing things. And if that's the case, I would I would disagree with that and argue with whoever is putting that out there, because that's just not how football works. That's not how being a teammate works. I get it being cautious with your health and your future. But once the injury is over, you play. You don't. You don't say, oh, well, I don't need to play anymore because my team no longer eh, – that's not way – that's not being a good teammate. Um, that's not being a good – I mean, it's just – Yeah. It's, I, I think it's counter to what will make you money 
later in life. I think I think uh, I agree with Bobby on what he's saying. I think the key would be: Are you pushing too early to come back if there's something on the line? Is the question? Okay, I mean, so that's fine. Come back for Texas Tech. My my point is, yeah. My point is, if he's if he's acting like, oh, I'm never going to come back if they lose this game, that's that's ridiculous. And if that's somebody putting that out there, I mean, that's I don't know what to tell them, other than that would be a that would be counterintuitive to what an actual NFL team wants to hear and see. So Rick's there to ask, will injury concerns hurt Quinn's draft stock? Very well could if he can't come back from it. I mean, look, he's had two season ending. He's had two injuries in two years on his shoulders when he's not, he hasn't really focused on strength training until this past off season. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's reality. The one against Alabama looked bad. The one against U of H looked like a normal play. A better a, a, a guy that was in better shape, in more physical condition, he probably doesn't tear his AC joint on that. Be stronger. It's my opinion. Uh, well, while we're on the subject of injury type related questions, Doctor Knocker says I saw Christian Jones walking around in a boot yesterday. Is this likely precautionary, or is there any cause for concern? There's no cause for concern. Everybody walks around in a boot these days if they have a twisted ankle. Um, our understanding, and I'm not trying to to say anything, uh, you know, to talk down to anybody, but my understanding is that everybody on the offensive line is ready to go. I, I think I think the positions beat up physically a lot more than last year. Uh, yes. So they're dealing with more. Last year, we kind of talked about this. It's so rare that the same offensive line starts 13 games in a row like they did last year. That wasn't going to happen again uh, this year. So they're dealing with more. They're dealing with more ankles, obviously. Uh, you know, just Cole Hudson had his injury coming off the shoulder. Um, Derek Connor, Hayden Connor hasn't been 100%. Steve Sarkeesian said that. So they're dealing with a lot more beat up bodies on the offensive line than they had to last year. They are. And I agree. They're nick, they're nicking up injuries other than Cole Hudson, Jerry, to yeah. your point, right? They're not these. There's, there's the lingering ankle injury from Kelvin Banks. There's, you know, Bake Major's ankle injury. They're not these season endings, but they can create problems uh, in the in the overall effect of the offensive line as a whole, I think. And that's where, you know, when you're going up against uh, Kansas State, who is undersized on the defensive line, you want to be able to uh, maximize your ability to beat them, right? And that may be a, a, an issue we need to watch out for. I'm not concerned, however, about Christian Jones at this point. And then, Bobby, I know Sark will touch base on this here in just a couple of hours at his press conference. But uh, for those that, you know, have maybe have not been in tune or been on Inside Texas, LNS Woods says, any injury updates? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Quinn Ewers, obviously. Let's start with that one. We do not expect him to play. Uh, we expect Cole Hudson to be back playing again like he did last week. Uh, I'd like to see if he plays any at left guard I think uh, on Saturday. Uh, that that would be number one. Ethan Burke, we believe, is still out, but Sark has categorized him as week to week, just like he has Jalen Catalan, uh, the young man uh, that is the uh, transfer from Arkansas. You know, I I truthfully of all of those, I don't I haven't heard a firm update on 
Jalen Catalan among all of those. Uh, other than that, I don't know that there is a significant, uh, what I would call a significant injury to any Texas player at this point. I think uh, the interesting thing will be um, uh, uh, what Sark says today, because anytime he's categorized guys as week to week, they definitely have not played. That's and he true. did leave Jalen Catalan in the week to week category. I think we know Ethan Burke's out. We know uh, Quinn Ewers is out. But the fact that he put Catalan in that category again Monday tells us, unless he's playing some games there, um, that uh, that Catalan's not expected to play this week. All right, guys, we're going to move on to the next question here. We got time for just a couple of more. And while we're on the subject of quarterbacks or Quinn Ewers, we're going to go to this question from Grant Thompson. He says, what is the future timetable to get Malik and Arch to be starting quarterbacks 2024 and beyond and have neither transfer? Uh, that's well, not going to happen. There, <laughs> one, one of those two guys will transfer out of the program eventually, and, that, and I, that's not me being negative. That's just reality. If you don't think that's true, go see how many – starting quarterbacks are ranked in the top 25 programs that are transfers. It just doesn't happen. These including, days, tech, including Texas, by the way. Those days are just over. That That's just not – there's too much NIL money to be made. Um, it's just – there's too much – it's just not going to happen. I mean, I'm, I'm going through the rankings right now. Um, and, I mean, just, you know, it, it's just crazy. Um, you know uh, – Or I, let, let me do it on the pack – in the pack. Well, Jordan, Jordan – Jordan Washington. Travis transfer, Penix transfer, Knicks transfer, Ewers transfer, Gabriel transfer, Ole Miss's quarterback uh, transfer. Um, you know, I mean, Jaden Daniels, LSU transfer, Notre Dame transfer, Oregon State transfer, Tennessee transfer. I mean, you go, you just go down the list. A USC transfer. Um, you know, Kansas starting a transfer quarterback, Oklahoma State transfer quarterback. I mean. There you go. I mean, that's two more than two-thirds of your top 25 ranked teams in the country. Yeah, and, and I will say this. I don't know the plan. The bigger thing to me is not – the bigger thing is not to keep both from transferring. The bigger thing is to find the best one and play them to maximize the team that you have. So I don't know what the answer to that is, and I don't think the team yet knows the exact answer to that. Uh, but I absolutely believe uh, that uh, that you know they're they're going to have to get to the bottom of it in the next twelve months, uh, whether it be Malik or Arch. Um, at, at this point, we we will see. Um, and I I don't know that somebody will transfer in twenty four. I, I would say if Arch wins the job, then Malik would transfer in twenty four. I don't know that Arch is going to necessarily transfer right away. That's that's not necessarily what he's about. So we'll we'll see because uh, he's had he's got one year underneath Malik. So let let's see how it all plays out. I'm, I'm I, a, I, look, I, I'm just I'll, I'll okay. I'll hold my opinion. It's ah, just, you don't have to hold your opinion, Jerry. No, I mean all, all these people thinking, oh, it's Arch will stay if he's. That's not how. I'm I'm not talking about you, Bob. I'm talking about the comments. No, it's not going to happen, guys. No chance. <laughs> No chance. The loser of this competition will leave. Look at college football. It's not happening. 
Uh, this next question, y'all, is from Ryan from China. He says, question on the opponent's defense. Did BYU stop blitzing as the game went on, or did Texas adjust well? I feel like Kansas State is going to blitz a ton. They they did not stop blitzing, um, but Texas uh, – look, Texas lived on short fields against BYU. So the 35 points was really 28. We know that. Uh, because of the, the Xavier Worthy kick return or punt return, right? Um, of those four, I don't know that any of them went for more than 60 yards and three of them started in um, BYU territory because of turnovers. So I, I don't know that BYU and Texas, I don't know that Texas ever really on offense got going against BYU. I think it was... Uh, there's a little bit, a little bit of a facade there. Uh, Malik Murphy played better in the second half, uh, protected the ball much better. Uh, Texas blocked better in the pass game for him, but also didn't put him in as much trouble or in, in much as a much conflict as they did in the first half when the whole playbook seemed open. Uh, you know, I I feel like that's that's how that worked. I will do two more questions, guys. Zane Petty says, fellas, is there any update on how the O-line practiced this week after being challenged by Sark? Uh, nothing nothing as far as this week goes. I mean, but uh, I know uh, it was just challenged by Sark, but, you know, every, flood. I mean, that was a uh, – that was a uh, – uh, that was a rough film study. I would say this. The, the, the idea that they've been that. talking about physicality, Jerry – that that's really the call out, right? Yeah. I mean, your offensive and defensive line, when you talk about physicality, I know you want to say, oh, well, our DBs need to tackle better and uh, tight ends need to block better. But really, when you talk about physicality, you're talking about the offensive line, the defensive line, and the linebackers. That Those guys typically carry the physicality of your te team and maybe a, a big-time running back that's brutal, you know? Um, and so I, I think that's, that's what they're talking about. I haven't heard any updates, though, specifically related to that. They don't – and to be clear here, they don't knock to the ground in practice after Tuesday. So it, you're not going to get a bunch of that just in practice. Hi, Bob. Before we do these last last question or two, I'm going to let you tell everybody about Texas Road one more time. Yeah, absolutely. Texas Road is uh, one of the companies owned and operated by or in conjunction with Rick Vavro and his group. Uh, not only do they do Austin Underground, which is under underground commercial construction uh, for big projects around the state, uh, Texas Road does the same for road work around the state. Give them a shout if you need uh, such help. Uh, Texas Road, that's TexasRD.com. Uh, we appreciate them and their uh, participation with coffee and football and on Texas football. Uh, Rick, I'll see you this weekend, bud. Hope you're at the tailgate. <laughs> Uh, yes, I want to thank them for sure. And then, all right, guys, we're going to do one question and then get your takes on one comment. Archmania says, can we hope Sark becomes more Sabanistic and takes the field goals versus trying fourth and three from the three-yard line? I, I can. I, I will say this. Um, if, uh, if they get down there, it depends on the situation in the game. But I would say if it's early in the game, and they don't punch it in, yes, you're going to see him kick a field goal. This is – I think – look, I think Sark is um, um, is smart enough to understand the magnitude of this game, and then if it's a low-scoring game, 
if it's a team that's trying to choke the clock on you, uh, you got to take your points in this game. You got to take because Kansas State's going to try to convince this game. I, I don't like it, it's their plan is right there. Just watch them play. I mean, they're going to try to run it 50 plus times in this game if they can run early on first downs, if they have success on first downs. Um, that doesn't mean they're not going to throw it, but if they have 70 pass plays, 72 pl- or 72 plays, they want 50 of them to be runs in this game. And because if they can get 50 rushing plays out of this game, they know they've controlled the game and that Texas doesn't have the ball. And I think early in the game, I think start if they get down there and they get and they get stymied, I think he takes the points. If it's late in the game, it depends on the game situation for me, where we're at in it. I, the only thing I'm disappointed in from last week on him going for it, guys, is when he didn't take the three to go up by three scores. Yeah. I was not disappointed the other time. I, the, the, the idea that you're in a game with your backup quarterback and you have an opportunity to go up by three scores against an offense that is only moving the ball on big plays in kind of luck situations, which is what BYU did on Saturday. Right. They have one drive and one downfield pass. The rest, their offense was completely ineffective. Okay. The fact that he didn't take three there and make it a three score game, I think is a fundamental difference of how I would look at it from a risk management perspective. I mean, because Malik had already turned the ball over twice. The possibility of a third would not be surprising. He almost threw a pick six late in the third quarter. Yeah. Um, and then they come out with a big play. That's that's within the realm of possibility. Getting them BY, that BYU team scoring three times, not really within the realm of possibility. I was more concerned, not necessarily with his aggressiveness, but his his lack of understanding that hey, they're still within two scores. I can make this three scores now. Maybe he clearly did take that into consideration and still said no. I'm going to try to force the issue, and came out okay with it. I mean, it's like you rolled the dice and, you know, you didn't crap out. So um, that's where I fundamentally disagree with what Sark did. But, you know, at the end of the day, 35 to 6. Okay, guys, last one for today, and it's from Heoli Prioli 3. He says, two things make me confident. It's always been said, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And Kansas State hasn't played a defense this good, let alone a dominant run defense. I'll say this to his point. To his point, he's got a point on this. If if Howard doesn't throw three picks against Oklahoma State, I don't think we've seen Avery Johnson to the level we've seen him. So there's a point in what he's saying there that Kleiman said, whoa, 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 that ain't going to work. So there's a point to what he's saying right there. Um, I, 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 I'm very interesting uh, to see – how they rotate this position this week uh, against Texas. Um, Howard played pretty well uh, against U of H, who's not good defensively Saturday. They attacked Malik Fleming, but they had so much success running. I knew, you know, U of H couldn't stop Kansas State's run game. That's a different run game than a Texas run game, especially Houston just had the two emotional games against West Virginia and, and, and Texas. I should say Houston had the two emotional games, but they attacked Malik Fleming at the safety spot. I, Avery Johnson doesn't – they're not going to ask him to make the throws. They asked Howard to make in that game. Uh, but to his point, it's a great point. 
If Howard doesn't stumble against Oak State, I don't think we've seen Avery Johnson to the level we have. I know Texas Tech would have had a better chance to win that game. All right. Um, I, I think that they do have two quarterbacks, and I actually think this is a positive for them uh, because it gives them a different style of offense to go to. It's a changeup. You know, not in like some people going to the Red Cat or Wildcat at times. Um, but Avery Johnson can throw better than that. Uh, the the piece about uh, the Kansas State defense is, is a little bit different. Um, I, look, I think this is going to be one of those games that Texas needs to make dirty. And, I, and I'm not saying dirt, not playing dirty, uh, but they need to muck it up and get in the mud a little bit with Kansas State and make Kansas State look and try to win ugly as opposed to uh, like they like to do, which is a very clean game, even though it's it's a, a specific style. Um, that that pretends well for the team with the better athletes, uh, in my opinion. And so uh, I could see it either way. Uh, the, the one thing I will say about Will Howard that, that Oklahoma State has that Texas does not and why I think he threw those picks in part, Colin Oliver. Oklahoma State has a pass rusher, a singular pass rusher that affects the quarterback. Texas does not have that right now. And so that that leads me to believe I, if, if I see three turnovers from uh, Kansas State in this game, I think Texas wins. I'll put it that way. Uh, I don't expect three turnovers from Kansas State in this game. That that's that's a difference though, and, and part of that is because the, they only, have the only the only way Texas gets three turnovers in this game is if they stuff first down run, and they get Kansas State out of out of rhythm and get them off their game plan. Because I don't Ford, Jalen Ford steals a ball to the tight yeah. end across the middle because he read it. I agree. Yeah, but to your I point, agree. that's the only way it happens. All right, Bobby, before we get out of here, let everybody know what they can expect on On Texas Football later today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, we Jerry and I are going to be following the decision of Nick Cody, uh, the young man that uh, uh, we just talked about earlier, the basketball player out of Newman Smith and Carrollton. Uh, see if he announces for Texas. Also, I've got the tail of the tape. I'm going to tape that with Paul Wadlington, uh, going over the, the positives and negatives of this game uh, as well coming up and where we think Texas should be have strengths, perhaps where Kansas State does. Uh, and then uh, later today, uh, Jerry, or excuse me, Ian and Rod Babers followed up with what has become one of uh, everybody's favorites, football theory. Uh, their weekly talk about how Texas is doing certain things and kind of going into the X's and O's and what they can expect to see uh, from the opponent this coming weekend. Uh, all good shows. Uh, I'm headed to Austin later today as well, by the way. Uh, so I'll be doing coffee and football from Austin tomorrow morning uh, with you guys. And then obviously we have the co-op uh, deal on uh, tomorrow afternoon at three o'clock. Please come join us. Uh, myself and Rod Babers will be out there as well. I appreciate you guys. I'm ready to get down to Austin, man. This is a big weekend. I really am. I missed two coffee and footballs today, this week because of uh, uh, some uh, doctor's appointments. But I got to tell you guys, I, I'm excited about this week. I'm ready to go. Hey, Bobby, if you check the weather for Saturday, it's going to be a pretty good day. Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Well, I'm ready. Uh, believe me. <laughs> I'm ready to not be in hot, humid weather when every time I visit Austin. Hey, hey my shout out to the, all the people on the, on the chat in the comments. I love all the comments. 
Uh, look, we're all, we're not always going to disagree. If we always agreed on everything, it'd be boring as anything. So <laughs> I love that we have all you guys on there and we have all the comments, man, because like I said, if we all agreed, this would be boring and none of us would even be interested. Yes. <laughs> all right. And then before we get out of here, guys, real quick, if you're not a member of Inside Texas, you ought to go check it out at InsideTexas.com. Use promo code OTFIT23. You get a dollar for two months. You got to select the monthly offer. Good for new members only. So be sure to go and check that out. And we want to thank Texas Road for sponsoring today's show, along with Prize Picks as well. Thank you all for tuning in. Thanks for the super chats. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Ring the bell so you're notified anytime and every time a new video is posted. And for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Hook them. <laughs>